0: Well, again, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. It's always a a great time of the year. I hope that your day is filled with some grilled meat and some great dad jokes. You know, grilled meat's always good, but it's just especially good on a Father's Day and great dad jokes. Now, I know some of you are thinking that's an oxymoron, but it really isn't. Uh, they're, they're wonderful things because, I mean, dads have this ca- uncanny ability to see what's obvious and what's right in front of them and bring humor into the situation or practical in that way. For instance, I mean, if, we're, if you were on a long car trip with your dad and you fall asleep and you wake up and you ask where you are, your dad's probably going to say, in the car. You know, you think about dads, some of them like to golf. Um, If you notice, they always bring an extra pair of socks with them, just in case they get a hole in one. It's a good one. Um, And of course, if it was up to dads, um, they would never put stairs in the house because they're always up to something. And then the classic, when a child comes in and says, dad, I'm hungry. A dad will always say, Hi, hungry. I'm dad. You know, it's obvious. It's practical. It's right there in front of you. Train them up in the way they should go, right? And they won't steer from it. Now, normally we we use that the way it's supposed to be used, biblically, through the Word of God. But there's more truth to that than we sometimes admit or see. To where we're always training our kids. They're always watching. They're always mimicking us. I mean, that first time when you hear something coming out of your kid's mouth, and you're like, where did you hear that? From you, Dad, or from you, Mom. It's a humbling moment or a moment of denial, one of the two. But they're always watching. We're always having that opportunity to train our children. And today, for Father's Day, I'd like to look at Proverbs 3 with you this morning. We're going to kind of pull away from our normal series for today and pick back up with that next week. But today I want to pull out five points within this section to help us in our walks and our understanding of the love of the Father. So today we'll read the first 12 verses in Proverbs 3. Beginning in verse one, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and a refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, as a father of the son in whom he delights. So as we look at Proverbs 3, this is a section within Proverbs. There's a few chapters where Solomon is giving Proverbs. He's giving wisdom. He's giving instruction to his son. A proverb is a wise saying. It's an adage. It's a truism. They hold principles that are generally true for most of the time. And Solomon is trying to teach his son because he loves his son. And this is important. So perhaps this morning you're here as a dad. And you're reflecting on the love that you have for your children. As we look at how this is written, we can see how Solomon is reflecting in this way. How he is instilling these values into his children. So as a dad, you can look at this and understand. Perhaps you're here as a child, perhaps young, perhaps old, and you can see some instruction and wisdom being passed down from a fatherly figure. So this morning, as we're going through this, I think what you're currently struggling through in life is how you can reflect on this, whether it's a believer in need of life advice, whether it's a parent in need of instructing your children. We're able to see both of these things come out of this form of Proverbs. You know, and as Solomon is teaching, he is reminding his son that these teachings come with added benefits. They come with added blessings in terms of how they are following the Lord. So the first point that I want to draw out for us is to not let love or faithfulness forsake you. As a parent, as a child, as a person of God, we should be about love and faithfulness. Love here is the steadfast love. It is the kindness, it's loving kindness, it's loyalty, it's mercy, it is agape, God's love. Where we understand that this love comes from the Father. The love that was sent down in the form of Jesus to be a sacrifice on our behalfs, yet while we were still sinners. A love that overlooks the sin because of the sacrifice given by the Son. The love that pays the debt that we owe. A sacrificial love that we emulate as believers. That we put on in our lives. Where we show that type of love to those around us. A love that is full of faithfulness to one another. Dedicated to each other. You know, if you've benefited from relationships in your life that have experienced that type of love and faithfulness, you know how precious they are. You know, you know that experience, and you don't take it for granted. In 2005, the Guinness Book of World Records said that Percy and Florence Aerosmith held two records, the longest marriage of a living couple at 80 years and having the largest married couple's combined age at 205 years. In that interview, they left some advice. Florence said, You must never go to sleep mad. If you've had a quarrel, make it up. Never be afraid to say you're sorry. Percy said that his secret to a long marriage was just two words. Yes, dear. Makes me think of Daffy Duck and the old Looney Tunes. Yes, my love. <laughs> Not sure if the youngins know that one. But you know, love and faithfulness, two things that seem to be lost on a generation and a culture that is preaching to do what makes you feel good. And that is self-centered. And that changes partners just like they change clothes. So parents, strive to instill the values of love and faithfulness into your children. Model it for them. Allow them to see it so that they can mimic. Allow it to be lived out in your life. Where our love and our faithfulness stem from the understanding that we get from our Savior. Where we're loving with God's love. The agape love. Where we are experiencing the faithfulness that he has to his promises or invested into his word, and we know what those are. And this leads us to the second point. uh, Trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Now this is found in verse 5 and 6, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Now because we know the love of God, we trust him with all our hearts. We, we believe wholly on him and his ways. We're not depending or leaning for support on our own ways of understanding. Now, there's definitely dangers where we can fall into those areas, where we're leaning on our own ways, where we can find ourselves doing this in life because struggles happen, because hardships happen, and we fall back into those habits to try to escape. If we struggle with that, go back up to the first point: understanding the love that we have from God, understanding the sacrifice that Jesus made for our sakes. You know, the point of trusting the Lord with all your heart goes to the study of His word. Well, we're leaning on His ways because we understand what the ways of God are. We're spending that time in His word. Proverbs 28:26 says, "Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. But he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. And again, this is tough because there's a lot of life circumstances that can happen, that can rock our faith for a time being. You know, it could be as simple as a traffic delay, a canceled flight. It could be something serious like a diagnosis, a death in the family, something that shakes us a little bit. You know, when those things happen, do we try to move forward in our own understanding? Are we seeking God's understanding? Are we seeking for Him to lead us in all of our ways? You know, I, I've found in the middle of that type of a struggle, um, even if you're, even if you're confused, even if you are struggling to find belief, a strong footing, continue to say that I trust in you, Lord. Continue to say it until you believe it, because you know trusting in the Lord is the truth. That's the right way. Even through those hard times, it continues to point your mind back to him, and that's the important thing. But many times, it's very hard to do that with the things that are going around. As you continue to rest on him and bring him into those situations, you will experience and see how he makes your ways straight. Not free from suffering, not free from pain, but straight. There's a big difference of what we expect versus what God gives. You know, and I think there's a little caveat that needs to be added in here. You know, in our culture, in our society, not being able to get that $6 Starbucks drink is not a form of suffering for the Lord. It is first world inconveniences at times. Understanding where the Lord is in our life and leaning on his ways. You know, because even when there is suffering, even when there is hardship, there is grace and mercy that can be found within those things. A depth into the relationship with Christ. Another illustration I want us to see for this. I want you to think of the person that you trust most in this life. Who is that person for you? This person then has to blindfold you and lead you through the Everglades or climbing up a mountain with just their voice. Do you trust wholly that that person is going to be able to accomplish that task? Or are you thinking of how they got lost in CB the other day? That is the type of trust that we need to have in the Lord, that even if we're climbing a mountain. We trust that his voice is going to lead us in the right direction. We trust that his word is going to take us to where we need to be. He makes our paths straight. The third point, linked pretty closely with this second one, is to have humble obedience. Verses 7 and 8, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Now, obviously, with all of Scripture, it's beneficial for everyone, but I want to speak uh, more so to the kids, more so to the teens with this point. Um, At your age, you are developing your thoughts, your opinions on things. You are learning a ton. Humility is a virtue that's not often seen at your age. Because as teenagers, you know just about everything. (laughs) Mark Twain has a famous quote. He says, When I was 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. When I was 21, I was amazed at how much the old man had learned in seven years. (laughs) Being older, I can now laugh and understand that quote. I'm not full circle with my own children with that yet. I'm only at the beginning stages of that. So pray for me. <laughs> um, but you know, as, as you have teenagers, as you f- think of that kind of thing in your life, humility is a virtue that is needed. Um, Humility is not—it's where you are not proud, you're not arrogant, but you recognize authority. You recognize that God is above you in every area of life. And there are times, yes, that you're going to be tempted that you think you know everything. There's always more that you can learn. There's always more depth that you can go to. You know, this life is going to have evil at every turn. Opportunities to turn away from God. This nation in many ways is turning away from God in its systems, and its choices, and what it's pushing. As believers, we are to fear the Lord and to turn away from the evil that is around us. And as the word says, it will be a form of healing as we do this. Resting in the Lord brings healing. It improves our health. So we want to follow the paths which he has for us. And again, those will still have hardships, those still will have trials, they will have suffering, but compared to the consequences and evils of this world, it is nothing to compare. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one that we must humbly obey. Now the fourth point is to be generous. Looking at verses 9 through 10, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Now, As believers, we have the understanding that everything is the Lord's, whether we have a lot in life or a little. We are to honor the Lord with what we've been given. We are to give a tithe, a tenth, a portion back to him. This way to look at life acknowledges God's hand in everything that you possess. Giving is the one area where God says to test him malachi 3:10 says bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test says the lord of hosts if i will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need now this verse doesn't mean if you write a check to the church you're going to win the lottery but instead as you tithe as you give back to god you understand the blessings of being generous that it is better to give than to receive. Understanding, too, that everything has that we have comes from God. Where God has blessed us to be a blessing. Whether that's with financial means, whether that's with the salvation that we've received, the word of God that we have, we are to be a blessing to those around us and we are to be generous with what the Lord has given. We are to honor the Lord with our wealth. Even if your kids are making a few dollars in allowance, teach them the important value of giving to others of tithing whether that's to a church or to others in need as they see it teach them to have eyes to have compassion and empathy for others because it's going to be very countercultural to a world that is self-focused material focused consumer driven but it's a value that we need to instill in our children the fifth point to be able to accept correction it's not always easy to hear correction it's not always easy to say when you've done something wrong someone tries to correct us many times we can resist that we can make excuses or defend our actions but this verse here says do not despise so don't, don't look down on, don't reject, don't treat something with contempt, regard it as worthless or distasteful. And the weary term there is about having your patience, your tolerance exhausted. It's about being tired. It's about lacking strength. You know, weariness, despising. These are terms of how we are not to respond to the Lord's correction. Because to bring everything full circle, the Lord reproves, he disciplines, he corrects those whom he loves. This lesson begins and ends with the love of God, the steadfast love of God. To correct the child is a parent's responsibility. It's something that we all must do to train them up in the way that they should go. But you look at the issues that we face as parents today. Here's a, here's a stat from Chuck Colson back in the mid-90s from Christianity Today. He said, with divorce and dual careers, parents spend about 40% less time with their children than parents did a generation ago. And that was in the mid-90s. Last year, there was an average study that's done in several countries in America Moms will spend about two hours a day with children. Fathers are getting about an average, an an hour average. So in the average day of being awake for 12 to 14-ish hours, one to two hours are spent with our kids, training them, investing in them, correcting them, instructing them. One to two hours. And you know, sometimes it's difficult to be able to see grace in bad things, in hard things. But I think that we, as parents, as a church, began to see changes happen with COVID to where as we became more isolated, more remote, families started interacting more again. So as I see what's happening on with our economy maybe a recession isn't the worst thing that can happen. A time to dial back from all the materialism and the consumerism and a time instead to focus on instructing our kids in the way that they should go. To raise them with the values of maybe not chasing after a dollar, but chasing after the Lord. Now, obviously, I don't want people to go hungry, and I know that times are going to be difficult. But again a lot of that can be first world privileges. So we as we make these decisions in terms of areas that we might need to cut back, let's just not fill that void with wasted time. Let's be intentional at how we're raising our children. Intentional to draw them closer to the Lord, helping one another out as brothers and sisters in Christ as needs arise. To be his hands and feet. You know, so through these five points, I hope that we can see the instruction and the wisdom to improve how we're honoring the Lord with our lives. How love and faithfulness need to be understood as coming from the Lord and then lived out by us. How we are to to trust the Lord with all our heart, with humble obedience. To be generous with what he has given in order to honor him and to accept the corrections as he gives, knowing that he loves us today is a day that we can work on the bonds of family, of love, because it is a day that the Lord has made, and let us rejoice and be glad in that. So I pray that you have a blessed Father's Day, and that you get to reflect on the love that comes from your Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father, as we celebrate so many different things today, help us first and foremost to celebrate the sacrifice of your Son, the salvation that we have received through his blood on the cross that has paid our sin debt. Father, when we dwell on our salvation, we can't help but rejoice. We can't help but to sing praises to you for who you are and what you have done as God. Lord, magnify our voices to the heavens. Allow us to cry loudly, holy, holy, holy is the name of our God almighty. Lord, we thank you for the day that you have given us. May we honor it by our words and our actions. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.